Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. I'm Billy Epperhart, and on this show, you're going to hear from industry leaders in business, real estate, and investing. Our Wealth Builder coaches and myself are excited to teach you how to make sense of making money for making a difference. Okay, let's get started. Hello, welcome to this week's Wealth Builders Podcast. I'm Karen Conrad Metcalf, Vice President of Wealth Builders, and I am so grateful that you chose to join us today. Uh, we've got an amazing topic, especially going into 2024. I think all of us looking at our businesses, our real estate, uh, even our personal lives can say that this would be a great year to see some miracles. And so my guest today is David Lapp, who is the CEO of Blessings of Hope, and he is going to be sharing with us on miracles. David, do you want to say hi to everybody? Hello, everybody. Excited to join Karen here just to share some of the things that God has done in our lives the last number of years and uh, just yeah, share share what God's been doing. That is awesome. And David is one of our speakers at the upcoming Wealth Builders Conference, February 16th to the 18th. Uh, David, you are certainly a favorite of people. It's so inspiring. And there are still some tickets left. If you want to attend in person or live stream, you can go to wealthbuilders.org forward slash events. And uh, we're building up a lot of excitement with this conference. I know it's going to be the best yet. And uh, by the way, David, I don't even think I told you this, but Lance Walno is joining us this year as well. So we just added added him on. And of course, you've known Lance for a long time. That's how we initially connected is, is through Lance. So today's topic for this podcast is miracles in the marketplace, how to trust God for abundance. David, I can't think of anybody better qualified to share on this than you. Wow. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's, it's one thing to experience miracles, but if you don't need a miracle, you, you, you usually not experience one. <laughs> what, we've, what we've found is the best way to experience a miracle is trust God to the point where, you, where he has to come through or you're done. And that's not always the easiest place to be. No. And, and I, I've been around you guys. Uh, I've had the privilege of hearing some of these conversations and you have a way to look at things where if you feel like God has shown you to do something and there it, it takes a miracle and there's a lot of cost to do it, you kind of reason things through to get you guys in a position working together as a team. Can you take us through that thought process if you get a really big vision? How do you guys handle this and see it to fruition? Well, we, we've been accused of trusting God too much, but I have not found a better source to trust. Okay. And you know, if you think about it, if God calls you to something, who are we to try to educate God what's possible? And you know, as as we go through life, we have learned to, instead of t- trying to tell God that his plans are unreachable, we ask him how to reach them. And as he shows us the next steps, we take that step. And then we look back and it's like, okay, how did we get to where we are today? And we recognize that it's because God took us there. And over the years, we've heard so many people talk about, you know, they had this, they had this calling from God. They knew it was of God. They fought it for 10 years. And when they finally gave in and, and decided to follow God, it worked. And we had this discussion, why wait 10 years? If we know God called us to something, 
why don't we step out in faith in that direction and let God lead us through it rather than try to rationalize everything out and do a, do a feasibility study for God to see if it's feasible if he called us to do it. Let's take that first step that he's showing us. And it's amazing how often we just were able to walk right through the next obstacles and just experience the miracle in the midst of it. Wow, that's so good. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of how Mary responded. You know, she she was like, okay, yes. Now, how is this going to happen? <laughs> and um, you guys have something similar. And it, it just kind of dawned on me as you were talking, David, a, a lot of people listening may not know blessings of hope or even understand what you do. So can you give us a little recap and then share just even we were talking about a statistic of growth that you've had in just three years, but where you started and where you are today. Yeah. So, so blessings of hope, we are a food distribution center for, for nonprofits. So we're, we're the, we're the sponge, if you will, between the large corporations that have semi-load volumes of food available at no cost and the nonprofit food pantries that need, you know, 10 boxes of that semi-load. Uh, the the opportunity that we saw back in 2007, 2008, somewhere back in there was the these large corporations have large volumes of food available that they got to get rid of, but their their easiest option has been the landfill because you have to take volume, hassle-free, fast, and get it out of their way, and they can't deal with 50 organizations every day. It's not who they are. It's not what they do. So for them, it's cheaper to just send it to the landfill and get rid of it. And then, you know, the, the, on the other hand, we have the nonprofits that need this food to reach out for the, to the community. And their best option at that point had been the government-run system, which is so restrictive on sharing the gospel. And so what Blessings of Hope is, is we're, we're very kingdom-focused. We're focused on it, on empowering the organizations to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to, to share food as a tool and not as a, as the next handout program that people become dependent on. And mm. you know, in in 2016, we started hiring, or we hired our first employee outside of the of the founder team, which was 10 years after we started. At that point, our operational budget was $195,000 for the year. That was for 20, 2015. 2016 was the first that we hired anybody. We just came through our 2023 uh, calendar year. Our operational budget was $8.7 million, wow. and we are at 104 employees now. Beginning oh, of 2020, man. we were at eight employees. Right now, we're at 104, and it's just it's mind-blowing to see what God did the last couple of years. I mean, I'm in the midst of it day to day. I am in the meetings discussing where we're going, and I it, it feels like we're just getting started with the opportunity that's out there. It feels like there's no limits on how fast we can grow, except for the fact of how fast can we put people and people and infrastructure in place to to continue to grow and grow sustainably. And it's just it's just been it's just been amazing. That is amazing. You think that it took ten years for you guys to even hire one employee, and then it's like God is fast tracking everything. And so in that, um, you know, what advice would you give people that are looking for that type of growth in their organization? Uh, what, what can we do to position ourselves like you have learned to position yourself to be able to take this type of growth and, and really make a difference with what God's called you to do? 
The, the, the best advice I can give you is make sure, number one, that your relationship with God is solid, that, that, you are, that you are building that relationship with God on a daily basis to the point where you can actually trust that what he's showing you is what he's called you to. Uh, I like to see my relationship with God similar to a Wi-Fi connection on a computer. <laughs> with my computer, as long as I have internet connection, I have access to unlimited data. I have access to anything that's out there. And as soon as I lose that connection, I have access to what's on my computer. With my relationship with God, if I have the connection with God, I can pray about something and God will show me step by step, you know, what, what the next step is. And I can I have that relationship to where I can trust what he's showing me is where he's actually taking me. And if the relate if the inner if the connection is broken between God and I, it's usually not on God's end that the, that broke that connection. It's usually on my end. And and being intentional, getting back into that relationship with God is yeah. what allows me to do what I do. Is you know if, if I could if I could choose between data and God, I would definitely go with what God is showing me because I, I do trust that what God is showing me is where He's taking us as an organization. Now, I, I do value the data as well, but the relationship is, is I would say, by far the number one priority in my life. Wow. And looking back over the years, one of the ways that I have built that uh, is I have listened to audio Bible and gospel music between 60,000 and 70,000 hours uh, in the last 15 years. Oh, wow. What, what, it, what I've what I'm discovering is subconsciously I have programmed my brain that God is enough, that God has the answers that, that, and, and there's, there's so much good music out there. There's so much, you know, listening to the audio Bible, probably 15 times, 15, 20 times, and just getting that in you where you actually live and you actually believe the message. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's so, so many times I would wake up during the night and I would hear a specific Bible verse or I would wake up to a certain song and make, make sure if you do that, that what, you know, if you're listening to music, make sure that you, that you listen to something that you want to meet in your future. Don't listen to country music where, you know, your wife left you, your dog's dead and, and everything's <laughs> going down because that's what you will meet in your future. Guard the diet of your mind. Wow, that is so good. I'm writing that down. Guard the diet of your mind. That's really good, David. And you know, what great advice, because I think as organizations grow, the, you know, the the pressures you might say, or the amount of work that has to be done increases. And um, it's a temptation for a lot of people to like, oh, I'm not going to spend time with the Lord today because I've got all this work. So how, what advice do you have for us if we are feeling that? I think there's people listening today that are like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm dealing with. How do you keep that balance and keep God first in your life? You have to delegate the responsibilities of the day-to-day -day and focus your time as a leader on leading the people that are responsible for the day-to-day -day operations. Mm -hmm. as, as a founder, it is, uh, it, it's usually hard to let go of the day-to-day -day because that's what you enjoy doing. But what, what, what I've discovered is that if I'm, if I'm too deep in the day-to-day -day operations, I'm not there to see the, the, the big picture 
and I get I get bogged down in the details that really don't matter that much. That our team, you know, if if we let them, they actually they actually have what they need to carry that out. Yeah. And you know, as as we continue to grow, it becomes more and more important that I stay out of the day to day operations, and <laughs> and I put people in place to take care of that. People that I trust, people that I that I that have a, a heart for the mission. And, you know, if you think about it, they actually have, they want to see the organization succeed just as much as I do. So what keeps us as leaders from from giving them responsibility and then with responsibility, you also have to give them the authority because if you just give them responsibility, they get frustrated. If you just give them the authority, it tends to become a dictatorship. You have to delegate responsibility and authority in equal levels so they're able to to carry out what needs to be carried out and have the authority to put, to push it through. Wow, that is so good. Wow, what nuggets of wisdom here, David. Um, and a follow-up question I have with that is when when we do that as leaders, we delegate, we give people responsibility and authority. We know that sometimes mistakes are made or things are not done the way that we might think you know, we could do it. And I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs kind of get, they they hit their ceiling, that lid is because they're not willing to take that risk. Um, but you have learned how to take that risk. And so just share with us, like if we're nervous about somebody messing something up, oh, is it will. gonna happen? <laughs> they will, oh yeah. yeah it's, it's, they're not gonna do it the way I would do it every time and that's fine, they don't have to. It's if 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 you give them uh there there's a quote a changed imposed is a change opposed i think it's from the who moved my cheese book mm, and if, if if you can inc- if you can include your team in coming up with the strategy they will own it at a whole different level than if you just tell them this is how we're going to do it and you and you mm-hmm. oversee them if you will what, what we have found that works is if we can include the team that's responsible to carry this out in the planning phases, they will have a whole different level of buy-in than if we just tell them this is what's the, the next thing that you have to work on. And yeah, they'll make mistakes, but that's awesome. There, there is, there's nothing wrong with making mistakes. If I, like I told my team, if you can make a mistake bigger than what God can fix, then we're in the wrong business. Because oh, that's so you know, good, David. I, I, I've made so many mistakes over the years, but you learn from your mistakes and you and you take the next level. You know, that there's there's so many opportunities to make mistakes. I don't have time to make them all myself. I have to let some of the other team make some as well. <laughs> because if we can, you know, if we can, if we can work together on making these mistakes and figuring this out then we can grow faster as an organization. Mistakes are not a bad thing. Oh my goodness, what a great perspective. And when somebody does make a mistake, how do you deal with that? Because I think this is something that a lot of us can learn from to get comfortable with people making a mistake and not to, I guess, come down too hard on them. How do you deal, how do you deal with it? Well, if, if, if they make, okay, let me give you my definition of a mistake. Okay. A mistake is a well thought out plan that didn't go the way you planned it. You, it didn't go the way you thought it would go. That's what I see as a mistake. And I like to look at it as if if our team, if they step out and try something and it works, great. I, I like to come behind them and push them forward in that. If they step out and try something and it didn't work, 
I'm looking for ways where I can own that and help them walk through that with integrity rather than putting the blame on them. I try to take the blame on myself. Like as a leader, how did I not communicate properly to you that this is what was that this is what we were trying to accomplish here? And how can we together walk through this as a team instead of you messed up or, or you didn't do this right? And how can we yeah, let's let's walk through this together? Oh, wow, that is great. And I'm guessing that uh, or expecting that that creates an environment where people feel that they can really contribute and they can be creative, mm -hmm. um, probably, you know, takes the fear out of the workplace. Mm -hmm. It does. It definitely does. Wow, that's awesome. Um, okay, let's switch gears here a bit and uh, talk about the um, food you know, we hear so much, David, about there's food shortage, people are starving, uh, which they are, and it's it's unfortunate, and you're really called, God's put you guys in a place where you're solving this issue, but do we have a food shortage problem? No, we don't. There's, there's way too much money to be made by governments by keeping people in poverty. And there, there, there is no reason anybody globally should be should be suffering from food insecurity. Half of the global food waste would end world hunger. I, I've seen statistics as low as 35% of global food waste would end world hunger. We're talking about resources that are already produced. They're in perfect quality condition. They're getting close to expiration date. There, there is an unlimited amount of free food available if you can take volume, hassle-free, fast. And... We we have the, the more we're digging into this, the more I'm convinced that there's no reason that any, anybody needs to be going hungry anywhere anywhere in the world because uh, we have the resources, we just need to utilize them. And there is there is uh, you know just just for example, in the U.S., according to the to the USDA website, 30 to 40 percent of all food produced in America is wasted. And just a fraction of that would take care of the, of the 50 million people in the U.S. that are suffering from food insecurity. And it, it's, it's not that we don't have the resources. It's just that we are wasting the resources. Uh, just last week, I met with the, the local uh, Lancaster County Solid Waste Management Authority. And the gentleman I was talking to said, he said, for 15 years, they've been trying to figure out what they can do to, to address the food waste issue in this county, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And he said that the, 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 the model that he sees here at Blessings of Hope checks every one of their boxes that they were trying to figure out. Wow. And his question was, how can we push more food into Blessings of Hope? And I, I just told him, I said, getting food is not the problem. There is so much food out there. And he sees, they see it all the time with trucks backing up to the landfill and just dumping a semi-load of perfect quality product into the landfill and he said exactly what I'm describing is 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 why they do this is because they don't want to deal with 50 organizations every day. They don't want to deal with you know people digging through pallets in their warehouse, leaving a mess. It's not what they do. It's cheaper just get rid of it, send it to the landfill. They build it into their margins and and move on, move it on. But you know the 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 other side of that equation is if they can donate the food, not only don't they have to pay the landfill fees to dispose it. But they can also take a tax write-off for it because they are they are donating a product that can be used, and they can take a tax write-off, which is a win-win for everybody. Oh, that's just amazing, and that's where Blessings of Hope comes in because you realized early on 
that you have to have um, the ability to take these semi loads all at once in and then it's a matter of distribution. So David, maybe just kind of share with us what happens when a semi-truck pulls up to Blessings of Hope, what you're able to do today, but really what is that next step? What, where is your vision? Where's the vision God's given you for your place in helping solve world hunger? Yeah, so so right now we have uh, about 110,000 square foot, something like that in space here in, in Lancaster County. Uh, we also have a satellite location in Campbellsville, Kentucky, that we started in 2020. But uh, the the whole the whole food insecurity issue is a logistical issue. It's not a it is not a availability of product issue. There is an unlimited amount of free food available, but you have to take volume, hassle free, fast. And and then you know with with all these different companies that we work with, we have over 200 organizations that we receive product from. And then on the on the nonprofit side, we have over fourteen hundred organizations that we serve with that product, and we're the we are the logistical warehousing distribution in between those two issues. And what we're seeing is there's an unlimited amount of of need on one side, and there's an unlimited amount of free product on the other side. How fast can we build that supply chain in between there? How fast can we build the infrastructure to take the 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 product to the need? Because the, the the food waste issue in America, which is equivalent to 24% of everything that's in landfills, is food-related product. There's millions of ton that gets composted or fed to animals or stuff like that that could be utilized. That issue, if we can steward it, if we can take the resources and steward them for God's kingdom, we can actually take more than take care of the world hunger issue. And yeah, world hunger is a multi-hundred billion dollar a year issue that these governments are trying to figure out, if you will. But there, there's, there's no, there's no solution that I see from a government level that's going to figure this out. It has to be taking private sector and community and taking that that product and just getting it out to the people that need it. Wow, it's amazing. I know you do outreaches. Uh, you work with other organizations. If you find a need, uh, you you guys do disaster recovery. You do absolutely as much as you can um, with your infrastructure and the finances and really what God has called you to do. So, David, tell us how we can get connected with Blessings of Hope. And then also, you know, what are some of your current projects that you are working on that we could come alongside you to help support to really bring this to the next level. Yeah, what the the latest project that we're working on is uh, food dehydration. Uh, we started early last year, just to, you know, getting into what taking fresh produce, giving it a shelf stable life, is the process of dehydration. Uh, according to our research, we can salvage over ninety percent nutritional value, shrinks to less than twenty percent of volume. And we can we can give fresh produce that is ripe, that is literally a waste product because it's ripe, a five plus year shelf life. And what we do is what we then test test that nutritionally, make a mineral balance to to balance that out as a as a meal, and then pack it into a soup blend and send it into uh, we send into Haiti here in October. And uh, the beauty of, of the dehydrated product is not only does it have a, a, a five plus year shelf life, 
we were able to, because of the density of nutrition, we had a pilot that that offered to fly it into a grass strip in Haiti and bypass all the corruption at the ports. And we were actually able to get it to the people because we didn't have to go through the through the ports, you know, with a container. And two pallets of product had equivalent feeding value of a full salad of, of fresh. And all you had to do is add water and and cook it for 20 to 30 minutes, and you have a a, a nutritious pot of soup. And there was one pastor in Haiti that oversees a school of a thousand children. He got two buckets and he plans to ration that for a year. He doesn't want to waste all his nutrition in the first few weeks. So he's going to ration it out over the next year. So the students can can have nutrition every month, you know, through the, through this. <clears throat> We're looking at this thing, you know, two buckets, you know, but but it's just it's just one of those things where you know we do what we can and and we let we let the rest up to God. But in the in the meantime, we did buy a fifty-two thousand square foot facility, where half of it will be set up for uh, for a ministry selection center, which is an, a location where organizations come in, select food for, that they need to restock their pantries, mm -hmm. and the other half will be set up for a large scale food processing. And our our goal there is to you know do, to process uh, large scale dehydration. As well as probably some uh, freeze drying, I mean freezing as well, where we flash freeze it and put it in in bags. So that's probably going to be a part of that uh, whole project as well, because we're going to be able to process quite a bit faster than our dehydrator is going to be able to to, to dry it. Hmm. Even though the the dehydrator we have now has eight carts, thirty trays on a cart, where this one's going to have over 150 carts, so it'll be quite a, quite a bit bigger. But you know, there, there's so much, there's so much capacity that we're going to have to process that we're probably not going to be able to dry everything. Oh my goodness! I mean, just in what you described with Haiti, I mean, that food can go all over the world, mm -hmm. and really help in areas here, even in the United States. It's hard to believe, but there are children that are going hungry, and so this is amazing. It's like God has shown you how to solve this problem and it's getting it out there. So I know a lot of people listening uh, are really inspired by this. So David, if somebody wants to donate to your organization to help you with this vision, uh, how can they do that? Uh, blessingsofhope.com. We have a donation through our website. You can also mail a check. Uh, Blessings of Hope, PO Box 567, Ephrata PA 17522. Uh, yeah, there, there's you, know, you, you can also donate through like donor advised funds. We're we're set up with most of the of the major donor advised platforms. Uh, you can do non cash assets. Uh, you can do cryptocurrency. Uh, the, the benefit of doing stocks or non cash assets is you can take the value of the appreciated uh, item without having to pay taxes on the appreciated item. Just for example, as we had one gentleman that when he was in his twenties. His boss put a dollar a day in the company's stock for a year. So he had a $365 investment in the company. He is now in his seven is he doesn't need the money, but this investment is worth $26,000, I think it was. He said if he sells the investment, he can donate around $17,000. But if he donates the stock, he can donate the full $26,000 because we're a nonprofit. We don't have to pay that capital gains tax. And those types of, of, of strategic donations, you know, we can we can expand the, the impact of the donation. So, yeah, we're 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 open to all kinds of, of 
you know, non-cash donations, uh, check, cash, credit card, of course, uh, cryptocurrency. There's multiple ways to get involved. That's so great. Again, that's blessingsofhope.com. And uh, David's going to be speaking again at the upcoming Wealth Builders Conference. He always has an amazing presentation, lots of pictures. I think that's so great to see, you know, what is actually happening in this organization. And so, David, this has been awesome. I know that I am inspired, uh, which I always am when I have a conversation with you. And I know that our audience is as well. So, uh, again, uh, join us in Denver uh, February 16th to the 18th. Learn more about that at wealthbuilders.org forward slash events. David, thank you so much for being on the Wealth Builders podcast today. Uh, any final words for our audience? The, the Wealth Builders weekend is always a highlight for us for the year. We, we got introduced in 2018 through Lance Wall now, and it's just been a, it's just been a whole crazy group of people that, that don't help us think smaller. They help us think bigger. <laughs> and you know, with, with God and, and connections like this, it, it's just amazing what can happen. And uh, for those of you that have met us before, we're actually planning on bringing our wives this year. So you'll get to meet Yay. them. And we are very excited to see you here uh, at, uh, at the conference. Awesome. Well, we can't wait. And so thank you, David. Thank you to our wonderful Wealth Builders family. We are looking forward to seeing all of you in person or on live stream February 16th to the 18th. God bless you and make it an amazing rest of the day. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Builders Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review the show. If you want to learn more about who we are, visit our website at wealthbuilders.org and check us out on Facebook. We'll see you next time.